0: J files on double J
1: She is pop royalty, an icon in music, fashion and film, the most successful female recording artist of all time, and the name behind some of the most impossibly brilliant pop songs ever made. A queen of reinvention across her four-decade career, there is and only can be one Madonna. I'm Gemma Pike, and this is the J-Files podcast. Madonna has had a long history with Australia. Did you know that it was in Australia that she achieved her first top five single anywhere in the world? After Molly Meldrum gave Holiday a spin on Countdown in 1983, Australian fans immediately embraced Madge. When Molly travelled to New York in 1984, he interviewed Madonna and the two struck up a friendship which saw Molly interview her several times across the course of her career. I've dug up those interviews from the ABC archives and there is some absolute gold in these chats between Molly and Madge. You'll also hear from a range of different Australian artists as they share their love for the Queen of Pop. But let me take you back to 1990. Three of Madonna's four albums had reached number one on the American music charts, and she was the biggest pop star on the planet. She sits on a couch in the most exquisite white power suit and Marilyn Monroe-inspired curly blonde bob. Madonna and Molly get to talking about her childhood and her earliest musical influences.
2: Listen, last night when... um I went over, and your family, or part of your family, and we were sitting around having that dinner mm-hmm. last night. I couldn't help but think then, and your dad was there as well, what you must have been like at, uh, at mealtime way, way back mm-hmm. in Michigan. What were you like? Loud. Mm.
3: Loud and rude and ill-mannered. Like I am now.
2: Did you always chatter on like you do like now? Did, I, did I always chatter table? on? Mm. Um,
3: yeah, my nickname in, in, in my family was The Mouth.
2: Right. So. What were your dreams back then? Did you have any dreams at all? Of any aspirations, say, when you were about six or seven?
3: Mainly just to be the centre of attention. you yeah, know.
2: Just certainly gone. Pardon? I said that you certainly gone. Absolutely. Yeah. In um, spades. <laughs> getting, well, I mean, with such a large family, trying to become the centre of attention, I mean, how did you sort of manage it?
3: Well, I guess... When, there is a big, when, you're in, when you're from a big family, everybody's really competitive with mm-hmm. each other, so I think uh, I was really competitive in school with my grades and stuff. My father used to um, give us rewards if we got A's, like all A's on our report cards. Mm-hmm. And so it was my, my goal to get the best report cards all the time. It wasn't so much that I was interested in learning, it was more that I was interested in getting the best grades and you know getting the most. My father gave us 25 cents for every A that we got. so um i wanted to earn the most amount of money i wanted to be the envy of my brothers and sisters
2: uh, would you have said that you were a good scholar
3: was i a good student mm. oh yeah yeah but i had the same problem in school as i did at home and that was that i talked out of turn all the time during
2: those years um what sort of music if any music did you like
3: when i was in high school yeah Um, all, all the Motown stuff, all the early Motown, you know, the Supreme, the Temptations. my My father also had a lot of, um, Chubby Checkers records and Johnny Mathis and Harry Belafonte and Sam Cooke, stuff like that, so... Did All it, the soul singers, you know. So.
2: Did your father approve of or your mum approve of um, music as as part of the household? I mean, like was it? Oh yeah. Singing?
3: Well, everyone in the family um, studied a musical instrument. My mm-hmm. father was really big on that. Somehow, I only took about a year and a half of piano lessons, and I convinced my father to let me take dancing lessons instead. Right. So I escaped the dreariness of piano lessons every day, which I despised. But there was always music in our house, either practicing or records or the radio or mm-hmm. someone singing in the bathtub or n- noise, lots of noise.
2: Now, one of the family says that you um, nicked off and saw an Elton John concert.
3: That's right. It's the and first also concert. A
2: David Bowie one as Those well. Those are the
3: first two. Con- I can't remember what I saw first, Elton John or David Bowie, but I was I was punished for seeing both of them because Kobo Arena was a, a really dangerous part of downtown Detroit and it really wasn't a place for young girls to be going unescorted, which we all were. So um, I think I lied to my father and said I was spending the night at my girlfriends and then I went off to the concerts and both times my father called and found that I wasn't there and found out that I'd gone to the concert. And, um, I think I got grounded or something. I had to, like, like one summer I wanted to go away to camp or something and I, I wasn't allowed to because I went to see David Bowie. But they were both, it was
1: worth it. Can you believe her first two concerts were David Bowie and Elton John? Just wow. (laughs) During this same chat, Molly brought up producers Patrick Leonard and Steve Bray, who produced Madonna's Like a Prayer and True Blue albums, and he asked how they work together in the studio. Well,
3: It's different all the time. I mean, um, lots of times Pat Leonard will come up with um, a piece of music like Oh Father. We did very little to change it musically, and he throws the music at me, and I just listen to it over and over again and, and somehow the music suggests words to me and I just just start writing the words down. Mm-hmm. Other times I will come to Pat with a a an idea for a song either lyrically or emotionally and say let's do something like this or I'll have a melody line in my head which I will sing to him and he will sort of pound out the chords sure. to. I mean it, it takes a long, a lot longer to do it that way because I don't play an instrument but ultimately it's a, it's a lot more personal. And then Steve Bray... It's the same thing. Sometimes he'll come up with a track and he'll have a verse and a chorus, but he won't have a bridge, so we'll write the bridge musically together. Like The chord changes aren't as complicated. They're much more straightforward, 2-4 and, mm. and straight ahead, which is why we make better dance songs together, because they're not too complicated um, rhythmically. And they're much more up-tempo, fun songs. That's, that's basically the way Steve Bray is, and Pat Lime's a much more complicated band.
1: Collaboration has certainly been a huge part of Madonna's career but she's always been the driving force and brains behind the artistic vision. One example of Madonna really wanting to do things her own way right from the start was something that went down during the recording of her 1984 album Like a Virgin. Nile Rogers produced the album, and he told Zanro on Take Five about how strong Madonna's vision was when it came to her music.
4: Madonna, when we did Like a Virgin, I was convinced that the first single on that album should be Material Girl. Mm. I think that that album. Is Pound for Pound one of the best albums I've ever done? It's like uh, the Sister Sledge album, which to me is my finest hour. I mean, every song on that record, Thinking of You, Lost in Music, We Are Family, He's the Greatest Damn. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous, right? Out of control. Yeah. So, you know, Madonna, everybody thinks of like a virgin. But like a virgin is the weakest song. I mean, you know, that's an album with gonna dress you up in my love, all over, all over. You know, it's got like great songs on it, and uh, shooby dooby doo ooh la la, baby. And it's like all great songs. So when I tried to tell her that, you know, don't, 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 don't. It's much better than. But she explained to me that uh, to girls losing their virginity is a big deal and blah, 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 and this sort of thing. And, and she hit me with a, a more psychological, intellectual approach to the hit record. Mm. And then at that point, it was my responsibility to make it shine and sparkle like a pop hit record.
1: How did you do that? You've got your guitar stamped on this one as well. Can you play? I mean, I know the guitar is not tuned for every song that like you've
5: ever written. Well, I mean, can you play I mean, some
1: of the the ways that you made that shine in a pop way?
4: Well, like a virgin is interesting because it was uh, it's a very simple song. It's uh, I made it through the wilderness. So basically, the way I made like a virgin work is by doing my style, the chucking thing. Mm. Even even though I'm just going, I'm actually going. Madonna
1: was right about Like a Virgin being the lead single to her second album. It went on to become her first US number one song. Two years after working with Nile Rodgers, Madonna released True Blue, an album that is a favourite for Izzy Manfredi from The Preachers. I love Madonna. Love, love Madonna.
6: I love her because I remember when my dad left when I was young, uh, my mum kept a copy of True Blue and we used to play it over and over and over again in the car. And so many favourite songs. But I think my favourite would be Live to Tell.
5: If I live to tell the secret I knew that Will have the chance
6: again It's almost like a hero's journey from beginning to end, except it's told from the point of view of the repressed female uh, voice throughout history. And it's almost like in this song, you're, you're finally hearing the woman's side of the story, or she's hinting at this whole other point of view that has been missed. It's so nuanced and subversive for a pop song and that's what she was great at and it's a real testament to what a fantastic songwriter she is.
1: Soul singer Kylie Oldest has happy memories of Madonna's first major film role.
2: Madonna is one of my first musical heroes. I have always thought she was very fashion forward and very brave and I loved her music obviously so um, I remember when... Desperately Seeking Susan came out and my friends and I all went to the op shop and dressed ourselves in long beads and lace and white shirts and lipstick and we just thought we were gorgeous and we probably were and so thanks for that Madonna you've been so much a part of my life and my wardrobe and now my, I'm making a musical um, journey with her in mind so my favourite song is Into the Groove.
1: Producer Paul Mac, Madonna's legacy is in her ability to reinvent herself.
0: The reason why I like Madonna, she continually evolved with each album, taking on a different stance, a different look, a different approach, working with different producers. Um, which I think it was, you know, that was that's her sort of lasting legacy is that.
3: Let's get on.
0: My choice is the song Bedtime Story off the album Bedtime Stories, because it was written with um, Nellie Hooper and Marius DeVries, but also Björk, um, which is such an odd choice, but when you hear the song, you can totally hear it. Björk said at the time, I couldn't really picture me doing a song that would suit her, but on second thought, I decided to write the things I've always wanted to hear her say. So, you know, the chorus is, let's get unconscious, honey, which is pretty cool. And stuff like, um, today is the last day that I'm using words, they've gone out, lost their meaning, don't function anymore. So Bjork.
1: Sydney singer Coda Banks shares Paul Mack's view on the way Madonna has constantly reinvented herself throughout her career. I think
3: Madonna is
1: and always will be the quintessential pop star because she's four things that
3: very rarely manifest in one person. I think she's a style icon, she's a hit machine for sure, a savvy businesswoman and a chameleon who's been able to evolve and reinvent herself again and again to keep the public guessing and engaged. And that's why I think her career has been so incredible to analyze is because she's so multifaceted. She was the voice of a rebellious generation and she made songs that pushed that zeitgeist entirely out of their comfort zone. And that's what great art does. It pushes the boundaries. I could go on all day,
1: honestly, but shout out to Queen Madge for being the ultimate trailblazer. And Sydney singer Brenda McLean had a very formative musical experience with a late 1990s Madonna hit.
0: This is one of my mum's favourites. I didn't know uh, I was going to fall in love with Madonna as a child, but then I remember my, my mother dancing around in nothing but a towel to Ray of Light, uh, which may have also been the first time I kind of heard electronic music. It's on the same album that has Frozen. Uh, It's by William Orbit, produced by British uh, producer William Orbit, and I do remember just sitting in the car and losing myself to music for the first time and realising that as a pop musician, you're really allowed to do anything.
1: From electronic music duo GL, prefers Madonna's early 80s vibe. Where to start? A woman whose impact defies categorisation.
6: She's been on the front line of reframing women in entertainment for the last 40 years. She owns her body, her business and her art. A queer icon with the name of the Holy Mother. There are so many songs to choose from, but I'll choose Lucky Star. I love this era of her sound. She kept it funk, she kept it tight. I remember listening to this song at Boogie Festival in the car on cold Easter's night in regional Vic with my best friend Sinead. It's one of her favourite songs too. So as a surprise at one of our first ever GL gigs, we played it for her and it's been a favourite in our set for years to come.
1: while Perth singer-songwriter Abby May loves her 1998 Ray of Light album. She's also into Madonna from the 80s. Madonna is
6: too frequently mislabeled a kind of great survivor of the music industry when she can be far more accurately described as the great dominator. She's seemingly completely uninterested in nostalgia and has had an unparalleled 40-year career at the forefront of pop producing pop sounds that are more often than not way ahead of their times. I have loved everything Madonna has done, even the stuff I don't love, because, bitch, it's Madonna. My favourite Madonna album is Ray of Light, but I can often be found pulled over on the sides of freeways for being too fabulous while listening to some 80s magic.
1: Crust from Girling also loves 80s Madonna but his favourite song is a 1990 classic
5: Madonna to me is super cool, she's super strong she's the CEO of herself so move along and get out of her way. My favourite Madonna look is around 1984 around the launch of her amazing Like a Virgin album which was produced by the legend Nile Rodgers incredible album spawned hits Material Girl, Like a Virgin and Dress You Up Madonna's look at the time was all thrift shop and bangles, lace bows, torn tights, provocative religious accessories and layered mesh tops. Not to be mixed up with Boy George who had the same look around that time. She almost looked like a punk rock Minnie Mouse to me. My favourite Madonna song though is Vogue. I just really love the string intro on the sleazy bass line. Really taking that underground New York Deep House song, especially with those piano stabs, and making a huge commercial hit. There's something really nostalgic about this song, and Madonna cements herself as a true icon in the classic noir black and white film clip. She's the coolest.
1: 1990 hit Vogue is one of many Madonna songs that has an equally memorable music video. In fact, the iconic black and white clip for Vogue was directed by David Fincher, who also directed the feature films Fight Club, Seven, Alien 3 and more. Another David Fincher-directed video clip was Madonna's empowering single Express Yourself. Inspired by the 1920s film Metropolis, Madonna played a chained masochist in the clip, which received criticism for seemingly promoting female sexual exploitation. Molly Meldrum asked Madonna about the meaning of the chains throughout the clip and whether it meant that her female character was metaphorically chained to the bed by the man. The ultimate thing behind the song is that if you don't express
3: yourself, if you don't say what you want, then you're not going to get it and in, a, in, a, in effect you are chained down by your inability mm. to say what you feel or go after what you want
2: well i call it a ball terror i think it's a great song mm-hmm. um a fantastic film clip i mean you've got now that film clip being sort of reviewed like a full
3: like a, a full movie feature i mean yeah i know. Incredible. it's great and i mean it's a very video. positive
2: mm-hmm. um, i know that uh, that you had a, a director and david doing it, but did you give a lot of ideas towards that?
3: Absolutely. When, when you know, I, I'd seen his reel, I wanted to work with someone new. Mm. And I was told that he was young and he had a lot of energy. Only and,
2: 26, right? Yeah.
3: Mm. So I met with him and um, we basically sat down and just threw out every idea we could possibly conceive of. Mm. And of all the things we wanted, all the imagery we wanted, and I had a few set ideas. For instance, the cat. Mm. Um, and the idea of Metropolis, I was, you know, definitely wanted to have that, that influence, that look on all the men, the workers, True. sort of diligently, methodically working away. Um, David, David's idea for the cat to, like, lick the milk and then Which pour it over. Sternum. It's great, and believe me, I, I mean, I have to, um, I fought him on that. I didn't want to do it. I thought, oh, it's just so over the top and silly and kind of cliche, like art, art student or film student kind of Mm. trick you know but i'm glad that i gave in to him
2: so (laughs) will you after what had happened with like a prayer and the controversy which we'll get on to later um did people sort of say now you better sort of have a more temperate film clip did anyone sort of
3: no no and everyone knows better than to say that to me because once you tell me to to tone something down i just go the opposite
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i love that once you tell madonna to tone down something she's gonna do the opposite I want to get some of your favourite Madonna memories, but I've got to play you this incredible moment from a chat Molly Meldrum had with Madonna in 1985. I think it just really sums her up.
2: If you stripped away the Madonna character, Mm
1: -hmm. what would they be? The person
3: you're looking at. That's me, you know. When I'm singing on stage, that's me. It's just one part of my personality. Um, Now take a movie role, for instance, that might be somebody else if I choose to be that somebody else But everybody, no matter what they're doing, whether you're on stage singing or you're playing a character in a movie or whatever You always bring part of yourself to something Nothing is completely you and nothing is completely devoid of you
1: I'm Gemma Pike Thanks for stopping by on the J Files podcast. It's over to you now. Hey, this is Lauren from Newcastle. We used to have dance classes one afternoon each week after school and my dance teacher was obsessed with Madonna. She dressed like Madonna and did her hair like Madonna. So for a couple of years, all we danced to was Madonna songs and that's where I really fell in love with her and I felt like she was... of like my key to the outside world because this one afternoon each week I was um, you know getting exposed to all of this pop culture that I, I wasn't getting anywhere else.
4: This is Robert from Sydney. I think the album that I connected to most was American Life. I think it really helped me with coming out, being a gay man, um, sort of navigating my own, I guess, sexuality, as well as how I relates to the world. Um, she's not just a singer, she's a phenomenon. Um, and I think that every album that came out after that has always sort of signposted a different time in my life. And I just... Uh, find so much inspiration and strength from all of her music.
6: Hey, this is Stephen from Port Perry. I think one of the moments I really fell in love with her was when I heard her 1992 Erotica album. There was a song on it called Why Is It So Hard? That song, to me, touched me on a very personal level, partly because around that time that I was listening to that song, I was in the stages of coming out, and I really connected with the message of what she was saying. She was questioning people about why we have to judge others and why we can't accept each other. For me, that's always been at the forefront of her work, encouraging people to be individuals, encouraging people to express themselves through the face of diversity. And she always has led by example when it comes to challenging outdated societal norms that are forged in discrimination and intolerance. And I just think that she's just one of the best artists that I've ever come across. She is the true queen of pop. Hey, this is Cody from Adelaide.
2: Long-time Madonna fan, discovered her late 80s, around the time of Like a Prayer, probably like lots of people watching rage and video hits as a kid. And the songs are brilliant, Although sort of, she's always done what she's done better than anyone else, I think. And also, as a gay man, I can't really fight it. I think a lot of gay men are attracted to, to strong women and a good beat. And with Madonna, you're guaranteed excess of both. The J-Files.